Welcome to episode 675 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right out, team. Welcome along to episode 675 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. Pretty good. Yourself? Oh, pretty heartbroken still, John. Pretty heartbroken. Oh, that cricket. Got robbed. Oh, team, we know a lot of people won't know about cricket. but So if just for everybody outside New Zealand and Australia, uh, New Zealand and England, probably didn't even know the countries. cricket. Yeah, they, once they're out, Australians don't care. Once they're out of a competition... Doesn't even register in their their news. They have no heart for nobody else. Yeah. So the cricket World Cup was on, which is eleven on eleven. We ma- and we made a final, um, and it was one of the greatest games of sport you'd ever see. Seriously, wasn't it? It, it was. was it was phenomenal sport, um, and we end up drawing and very unlucky. Like basically, we should have won, and this thing happened, which just. Uh, it's so unlucky, wasn't it, John? Very unlucky. Very unlucky. Like just the, like a oh, you can't you can't describe it if you don't know sport. But basically, something that never happens in the game happened. Which and, and like baseball, <laughs> this is a, this is going to ever happen in baseball. It'd be like you're running to a base and you first base, you're still accidentally carrying your bat, and the fielders threw the ball at you and it hit your bat and went over the boundary for a home run. Yeah, that's basically what happened. basically what happened. <laughs> yeah, and, and so they end up being a draw. So then they have this thing called a super over, which is basically how many runs can you get in over, which is six to six delivery. Which we both drew on again, but they have this stupid rule that if you hit the most boundaries in the game, they won. So England are the world champions, but they didn't beat us. Yeah, exactly. It hurts, John. Take that, England. (laughs) It hurts a lot. So I've been... Because what's been the hardest hurt you've ever had from support, sporting loss? Uh, I don't know. Other than your own, obviously. Yeah, no, uh, I can't think of any. I think that, that one's right up there because you didn't really lose and it was bad luck. Yeah. It's like you're tired and you just had bad luck. So England had the fair, fair square. They won. That's okay. Yeah, they get the title. They get the title, but it was bad luck that won it, which yeah. kind of sucks. So well, you just feel a bit robbed. The America's Cup, when we lost the America's Cup, that hurt just pretty much as well. Yeah, but you can see the writing on the wall with this, that one. Yeah. It, oh, it hurts, team. So I, I couldn't get sleep last night. I still was thinking about it. I had a pretty shitty day because I, I didn't... I. For all the athletes that I coach, <laughs> I just ignored them yesterday because <laughs> Monday mornings normally my Work catch day. up with athletes in the morning day, and the game was middle of the night, so I didn't do an all night. I stayed I up to eleven o'clock, got up at five, didn't open any devices, and just watched it there until eleven o'clock in the morning. But for for sport, it was, oh, it was like great. in a final. You know, and it was just oh, it's just such an amazing game of sport. It was just unfortunately we got mm. robbed. I still I was going <laughs> to do some work. Not where I could see any news yep. that went out the window. You just like, sat there watching it. Oh, it was so exciting. Anyway, today uh, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. And we've got a good conversation with uh, Jason from Extreme Endurance later on today in the show. Uh, we have some patrons as well. Robert Boom Boom Beelan. We've got Craig the Rock Nicholson. And William the Treasure Chest Lockwood. Oh, that's sensational team. If you want to, uh, this week's show. We've got some news, we've got a Hot Topic of the Week, we've got Age Group of the Week, Coach's Corner, we've got Wanger of the Week, and we've also got an interview with Jason. Yes, we have. About the latest Extreme Endurance, and then we are going to put the final of our Epic Camp Kona interviews up on the show. John, last weekend we had 
And blast from the past, take out an Ironman. When was the last time this guy won a race? I know. So Ironman Victoria, I'm pretty sure it was the inaugural one. I think it, the ITU, no, it wasn't. The ITU World Champs were in Spain earlier this year. But anyway, um, Victoria was on at the weekend and Nico Lanos took the race out. And you say he's a blast in the past and maybe he's probably slowing down a bit, but bloody hell, he did a pretty uh, pretty handy performance. And, and actually in saying that, I'm looking at his results from the obsessed triathlete and he did take it a 70.3 in Dubai in February this year. Yeah, so yeah. he's still going strong. Uh, he swam 48 minutes, uh, rode a 5.06, uh, and then ran a 2.46. That's not mucking around for a 7.55.16. That bike can't be right. It can't have ridden 5.06. I'm looking at Torsten's site. Torsten, that must be incorrect because that doesn't add up. Um, anyway, he went 7.55, I know that was his finish time, uh, Josh Ambig was 8.06, and Peru Alfaro San, that's enough for a name, was in third place in 8.08, so good on them. On the female side, Heather Jackson did it fairly comfortably in 8.52, sub 9 hour performance, which is always good, uh, and she was uh, 8.13 minutes in front of Nina Darren and Judith Conqueror Vanquero from Spain, so 9.13. So yeah, great to see Aniko Lanos. Um, he's still going strong. He started his career way back in, in terms of his long-distance career, uh, Ironman Canada, back in 2005. Um, we know that he's gone on to, he went to uh, Ironman Australia that uh, in 2005 as well, finished second there, um, went to the World Champs and started making his build up the, the rankings there, got fifth in his first year in 2006, then seventh, worked his way up to second place in 2008. I'm pretty sure that was the year Crowey probably won. Uh, so he was a real contender in Kona for, for quite some time, but second was as, as good as it got. There was, there was a moment when he was a real contender, wasn't there? There was hmm. a moment like he got second so he was obviously right up there but there was a moment where outside of Cone he was almost the best athlete for a very short period wasn't there yeah and he was the thing is like most ITU athletes he's always going to be there out of the swim or there or thereabouts uh, and he was a really good runner uh, and then he had you know you never know with ITU athletes how good they're going to be on the bikes so in Kona he never won it but he won a lot of races and he's still going still winning races so he won uh, Melbourne Asia Pacific Champs uh, he's won a bunch of 70.3s he's won Frankfurt which is you know second biggest race in the yeah. world uh, and loads of other, other races so he's still going strong um can't see him spanking Kona in terms of getting a, a top five but he, you know with a steady eddy sort of day he could be uh you know has a potential to be a top 10 still these days so good on him yeah good times I interviewed him at the airport once hmm. remember that yeah I think you were, were you at Rote was it? I yeah I think I was I think he did Rote and I was just at the airport randomly afterwards and I went up to him and said mate couldn't do so yep okay we also had a couple 70.3s happen over the weekend in Astana, so everybody knows Astana, well not everybody, but a lot of people will know Astana from the uh, cycling team, but it is actually a city, so oh, sponsored okay. by a city, uh, and a, they had 70.3 over there and in Kazakhstan. That photo looks amazing, doesn't it? Right, yeah, they're basically over there, it's, um, I don't know, not that I've been there, it's probably a bit like building in the Middle East, they kind of go, right, we're going to build a city there, yeah, and they literally and build a city. build it. Uh, so we had... Radka Vakarvelt take that out in 4.07, a couple of minutes in front of Susie Cheatham, and Nils Fromhold uh, took it out from Philippe 
El Azevedo from Portugal. Okay, coming up this weekend, we have Ironman Switzerland. It's one of the male-only pro races, so no female pro field in this race. Uh, looking back for last year's result, Jan van Berkel took it out in a 9, 8.09, so it's a pretty good race. But let's look at the field this year, John. They've got, it's a pretty big field. Well, when we come, whenever we come to this stage of the season, they have big start lists, and you never know who yeah. quite is going to rock up. So we're not going to spend too much time on that this week because Cam Wirth's down to race, and he's been racing prolifically late, lately. Jan van Berkel was a re- returning champion really wide David Pliche he raced in where was it the other day in Austria I think he finished third so some of these guys might rock up again and then good old Ronnie Schildnick is back he's won this race about five million times uh, and so I think I would put him down as probably the favourite uh, Ivan Rana he raced somewhere a few weeks ago as well so yeah a lot of these people have been racing fairly recently Anthony Costas uh, if you remember he was the one who put the ice vest on in Frankfurt okay. so yeah a lot, it's a big start list as Bevan said about, about 40 over 40 guys on the list chance they'll probably see maybe 30 of them start well also what's interesting and, and this is great work from Dawson is he has who is have already kind of qualified and of those 40 only three have so I imagine you're going to get the guys who still want to go to Kona mm. you know are pushing the limit and you know so it'll be interesting to see as you said it's always interesting anyway but it'll be interesting to see people like like Cam Worth you know you, you might just keep doing these races as training days you know trying different things you know he might go out there and spank the bike and not run too hard or he might just cruise the bike and and try to spank the run you know we, he did rode a couple of weeks ago and there he had a really great run but was slower than we'd normally expect him to be on the bike yep. but look I think it's not the key for him in Kona but he's going to make it more difficult for himself if he can't sort that swim out and be coming out with you know if, if he could come out with Keenlay and that on the bike different story isn't it that, but he, he's probably still going to ride away from a lot of those guys so maybe it doesn't make so much difference he's probably strong enough where he can ride all the way through how but far back, so so okay so how far back is he oh several minutes and that's with the off keenly uh i'm pretty sure on road i can't remember off the top of my head but he was definitely was was down on keenly out of the swim so not that he much, wasn't there so like let's say he was 10 minutes behind the top swimmers last year about that um i don't think it'd be quite that but it's probably not yeah, well, maybe we should just have a look at look, look at that in a moment. But well, I, I, well, I would say he's probably going to be five. How much gain can you make in a year while you're still trying to be a pro athlete? Mm. I think the challenge he's got is he's probably trying to gain on his run the most, and doing that is probably going to be detrimental to his swim when you're trying to run as much as you possibly can. Mm. But he's still pretty new to the game, so I think there's probably fairly easy gains in there, but you've got to weigh it all up. Am I better off trying to improve my run by five minutes? Or try to improve my swim by one and a half minutes. I don't know. I think you. Well, okay. Well, there's obviously up runners because you're gonna get more speed. But um, what's the easier path? Uh, running, I reckon. You're yeah, yeah. To lose five is easier than losing. Mm, absolutely. So yeah, you got to spend a lot of time. You got to spend a lot of time in the pool to, to gain that that amount of time. So yeah, I think he's he's going to be an interesting contender for Kona. I don't think he's going to be in for the win, but you know, if he rides with a couple of other people, you know, um, Lionel Sanders is on the comeback, and if he can ride, do with you think him, Sanders is going to be in Kona? Well, he's he's racing. I'll give you an update on that later on. Okay. Uh, we'll go Wildman off road coming up.
We have indeed. This, I've talked about this most years, so it's coming up at the weekend, and uh, this is an off-road race, and usually takes people over a day to complete it. So if you're looking for an ultimate challenge, go to k226.com <laughs> and uh, and see if that uh, if that tickles your fancy. It's in North Dakota, and it's a mountain bike race, one, uh, not not a road-based race, uh, and it just seems to take forever. John's got I love the logo and I've just looked at it there as well and it's bloody brilliant so what they've basically done is it's a W but it's kind of like an up down, upside down Ironman but instead of having the middle the line of the W they've got the, the circle down it's almost like they're doing that isn't it it is yeah like so. they're doing the kind of it's kind of like the devil sign from rock music isn't it yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> Um, John's on to your update what's happening not much uh, from the weekend there was uh, Tizavarius uh, in Hungary was on at the weekend, which has been the I think it was their tenth anniversary of having the World Cup level race there. But the next round is coming up this weekend in Edmonton, uh, where they're going to have the ITU World Champs in the finale next year. Uh, I kind of said a couple of weeks ago that I thought, oh, maybe you won't get. Uh, such a strong field there but because the, especially on the male side the field is um, is strong because the the series is so wide open uh, everybody's kind of needs most people have had one shitty race so they kind of got to keep racing because you know you've got to have enough point scoring races for your season so uh, pretty much all the contenders are there as usual you got uh, Vincent Louis, uh, Javier Gomez, Alaza, Jake Burkwistle, Mola, Yelly Greens that's a cool thing about um, the series is just about everybody turns up at every race uh, so looking forward to seeing how the guys uh, go at it again and then on the female side though some of the females have been a lot more consistent and so a number of them aren't turning up so Katie Zaveris um, isn't on the start list a number of the, the British uh, females are not on the start list either they have been travelling all over the bloody show recently they've been to um, they've been to Japan they went to Canada they went to to Europe uh, for Hamburg and for uh, the race in the UK up in Yorkshire and then now they're going back to Canada and then they'll be going to Japan and uh, Switzerland and then they'll be going to Japan so there's a lot of frequent flyer miles to be had so it should be good racing and uh, yeah this is going to be the site of the World Series next year um, the other thing I was going to say is I was sort of looking through the ranking criteria um, for the for the World Series and you've got to have f- five races plus the grand final so a lot of them have only done five races so far so they do need to accrue one one or two more there's nine races in the series but to, to be amongst the, the the points at the end of the season which is where there's really good prize money and that's where the world title is actually decided you've got to do five races plus the grand finals that's six out of nine so you when can, is the grand final it is in uh when is it bevan i think it is usually at the start of september or the end of august okay let me have a quick so we've got a couple of races to go uh, august the 29th okay so we've got Edmonton, this is basically the, the second to last one. You've got Edmonton this weekend, and then Lausanne is the final race. Game mm, on. Uh, the uh, only other thing I was going to say, and this sort of came up last week, was when we li- some people listened to the interview with female DNF'd in Frankfurt. True, Sarah True. Oh, yeah. And so was, she was saying, you know, she wasn't necessarily in agreement with the, the point system. Yeah. And I noted on the ITU rankings, um, with some events, they've got a quality of field factor, not at the top ones. So the points are based on how how strong the field is. So if you turned up to a World Cup race, it's not World Cups, it's like the second or third level down. But if a whole bunch of rock stars turn up, you get good points. If everybody there is rubbish, then you won't get many points. 
and and that's I'm why go back doing that because that's quite a it's complex. Going to have the torsion on that. It, that's the thing, but that's how torsions is rated. It's, it's a weighting system based on the strength of field, etc. And so I'm sure somebody like Torsten could come up with a, a fair ranking system so that the winner from each race gets to go to Kona, and then it's points based on based on the quality of the field behind that. And I think that's a really fair solution to get the best athletes. There to is Kona. one downfall of that. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know who's going to turn up? Oh, totally. No, but no, but the problem is if you're trying to chase a race with it, you want to make sure you're going to get a Kona slot and you, you might not get first, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know who's going to turn up. So you, how would they know until the day of the race? Yeah, I know. It would, it would be a tricky one to, to, to come up with. I mean, the, 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 the easy fix for that is you go and win the race. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah. um, So there's never going to be a perfect solution. But my fear, if they go to a points race, points system, you'll still have these races which have got really, really weak fields mm. uh, and then people are going to get good points and then you go to a strong race, like maybe an Ironman New Zealand where they had a strong field and if you finish second there, you get the same points as somebody who finishes second at, I don't know, Taiwan or Louisville or one of those races around Kona time when it's a really significantly weaker field. So hopefully they have a look at it because I do think it can be improved. Because ultimately all we want is the best athletes in Kona. In the best shape so they're not chasing races um, two weeks before. So we want, you know, the lining up on the start line is is representative of the best athletes for that year. Okay. Uh, so final final item you think because we haven't got much news this week the test event is in Tokyo is on the 15th and 16th of August uh, so looking forward to that because but you just, do you think there'll be everyone will be there oh yeah everyone will be there even though the world champs are like the next week yeah yep, yep because uh, a lot of people Qualified. A it's a test event and B a lot of people, countries are using it as a selection race so, so how do you think it's going to hurt I know these guys can race a lot but if you're going balls out the week before and then you're doing world champs. Well, the advantage is everybody's in the same boat. Yep. So I guess um, you've got to just kind of decide game. how you want to play the game. Uh, so yeah, and world champs this year in Lausanne should be fantastic. It's a nice hilly course. Okay, the last week's discussion was who are the best pros to follow on kind of social media and, and any other outlet and why? And we've got quite a few responses to this one, Jombo, so you can go first. Dana Kalpa says, I love following Tim and Rinnie. I know that they started a um, yeah, sort of YouTube show, channel they, yeah. uh, not that long ago. Uh, I know some of their posts are definitely motivated by sponsors, but their daughter is just too cute. We've got uh, Kenny Curran is Michelle Vesterbury. Uh, comes across as very open and honest, even when she has a bad day out. Always looks for the positives, and uh, as she would say, keep smiling. She is, Michelle is just lovely, isn't she? Yeah, she must have had a baby by now, so it'll be interesting to see um, where she goes to from, from there. She's got an amazing energy, beautiful Ma- woman. Michelle uh, S- uh, Simmons, Sarah True is pretty great on Instagram as well. She does good YouTube stuff as well, from what I've seen. How do you say Powell's last name? Pavel. Uh, chalices, chalices. We'll go there. I probably got it wrong apologies um, Sanders has posted uh, 2008 2018 Kona was the best and most honest interview any pro has ever posted on his own channel well worded there, Pavel, because we, we could have claimed some good, honest finishes, uh, interviews, but he said on their own channel. Yes. Uh, now, uh, for those of you that don't know what Lionel Sanders is up to, I thought, I wonder what he is up to. Mm. And he had that injury. And he had a, a, a sort of a stress-related fra- a fracture in his hip. And I thought it was a overuse injury. But in fact, if you go onto his YouTube channel, and he's got a whole bunch of posts up there uh, about what actually happened. And he actually just had a real little, just a whoopsie on his bike. He was oh, filling no. up his drink bottle at a fountain and fell off his bike. Oh, 
so he wasn't even well, he was balancing. Oh, yeah, no. and uh, and the, and then got it, got it smoked from there, and it was out for a long time. And that's that, a number of people here are going to say Lionel Sanders as well as someone they follow. And it's just the honesty of the whole thing, you know, yeah. about he was fighting depression as he was going through his recovery, he wasn't able to do anything, and and he's giving you a good insight into his training. It's like when he's going in for a swim or a bike, he's not happy as Larry all the time. He's like grumpy and going, oh, I don't know if I can be asked doing this sort of thing, but mm. he get out there, gets out there and does it. So if you haven't watched some of his channels, and especially if you're on the, the trainer a lot and you're just looking for something to watch, um, I watched a few of his. He's on the comeback. He's doing uh, Ironman Mont Tremblant, which is in mid-August. Mid, mid because he hasn't qualified already, has he? No, no. no. So I think it's yeah, maybe about 15th of August, something like that. Uh, and he's planning on going racing there and potentially doing a half beforehand and uh, seeing See if he can qualify happens. and then go to Kona. So this could be a blessing in disguise. Don't know if it's going to be or not, but having a bit of a forced break. Well, he was bit, last year, last year he was kind of the letdown of the race, wasn't he? Only at Kona, prior yeah, to Kona. No, 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 at the race, that's what, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, so I think it could go one or two ways. He could be amazing or he could be shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing, the thing with Lion Sanders, he's not usually average. <laughs> uh, Richard Slater's got Cody Bills, is authentic and interesting. Sam Long is also very open about his training and prep. Fredino is a fantastic athlete, but his Instagram is as dull and as corporate as they come. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not on a social media a lot, but the thing I'll say about Fredino when he does interviews, they are good. So whether or not he does good on social media, which yep. was the question here, when he does, and he's a nice guy, good. like he's a really cool guy to talk to. Jane Anderson said Laura Siddle um, met her at Ironman New Zealand this year. Great person, gives back a lot, very encouraging to all. Tony Hodges got Cam Brown, keeps it real, keeps putting on some great pics and stories from his early years. Always entertaining and provides great insights from a legend of the sport. Joe Coombe, definitely Callum Millwood, also Heather and Trevor Werhill have some great videos. Uh, Meredith Brook, Brooke, um, Karen Kessler is one of the most uh, accommodating and engaging pros out there, and Laura Siddell is too. But on the whole, the sport is pretty unique and when we get to race alongside the pros, and I reckon on the whole, they get the, the age groupers just want good results, just like they do, and respect us for that. I say Ivo Olstorn. Um, CB has started to share a lot on social media. Good content as well. Sanders, of course, he's the pioneer. Lucy has launched a YouTube channel. Looking forward to seeing more content there as she has already shared a lot also uh, through others. A few people have said uh, Cam Brown in there. Yeah, so Ed, Ed really Hawkins popular. said that Cam's getting really good at posting uh, old footage and, and looking back to yesteryear, not just about himself, but of uh, you know pictures of old magazines that he's got hanging out. And then he often does little clips of him out training. Somebody must be riding a bike next to him. So Cam's, uh, despite being of the elder generation, he's still doing a good job out there in terms of keeping up with all you social media uh Tragic. Stephanie Linkus has got Angela Neath. Her posts are real and honest and show both the struggles and triumphs of being a professional athlete. That's what you want. Um, Moira, Moira Easton Horan said Cody Beals posts great stuff about the good, the bad of his training, racing, and life in general. I've already read that one. Um, oh, you did? Sorry. Well, I will say, because the reason I read that one out is because Cody Beals, I saw recently, did a good budget ha- one again, didn't has, he? has put his, uh, his, his, his analysis of his year's uh, spendings, and he had a very good year last year, and significantly better than uh, previous years. I think a lot of pros, if they want to learn how to run themselves as a business, should uh, take a leaf out of his book, because he is onto it. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a, I'll put a link to that. He, I'll put a link to his article about his income for 2018 in the show notes for today. Uh, I'll go lastly, I'll go Richard uh, Phillips has got Cam Worth, does a great job through Insta, Twitter and Strava. Always a good laugh with his comments 
on other pros. And that's the cool thing. For pros that are on Strava now, you can actually go and see yeah, how they're, they're going. I mean, their, their numbers are off the charts. So you can do the same with some of the Tour de France liners, so, Tour de France riders. So that's all I've got, Bevan. So nice work. I'm not much of a social media junkie myself, but of the people that I've, um, I don't follow anybody really, but I really enjoy, as I said, Lionel Sanders um, and just looking through some of his posts, fast forward through a few of them. And, and yeah, it's just nice to see where he's at and get some real insight into what he's doing. Also liked um, Sarah True's stuff for the same reason, because she was really honest and upfront going, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do now and, and actually telling you what it's really like when you're racing and um, we think it's all sometimes the pros it's you know they're just in the zone 100% all the time but most of them yes they've probably got you refine their mental skills more through you know either a pro career or just more experience more racing but they still go through the ups and downs as most triathletes and I'd love to see some more of them doing you know a day in the life type thing like a, a full week like YouTube following following somebody for a week a bit like what Sanders does so you can really see that it's um you know it's not that exo- exotic a life lifestyle you get to go and train in some cool places and uh and it's better than sitting behind an office um in an office but it's a it's a tough way to make a make a living mm, i've got to tell you just go check out that Cody Veal's article it's brilliant isn't it yeah it goes in so much depth, but it's, it really gives some really good insight. Um, okay, John, uh, I'm a bit like you. I'm not. I'm actually removing social media from my life. Mm. So uh, I've got it on my desktop, obviously, but I've removed Facebook from my phone. Um, I do have Instagram on my phone, but I don't really use Instagram. I just you got to have it on your phone if you want to put photos on there. So occasionally I'll check a photo up, but don't use Instagram. I don't check Instagram as such. Um, so I, I've kind of moved away from seeing these people, but um, yeah. So I don't really have any thought on it, to be honest. When you've got this week's one down, whether you or not want to do it or not is up to you because we won't get to it for about another month. Yep, that's right. Well, the question is, and maybe you and I should probably answer it ourselves to give some sight. So, you know, a while ago we were talking about, um, we did a question around something, deep question around triathlon, and you went into the real reason <laughs> why you do triathlon, and it was kind of, basically, it was kind of one of the first things you felt good at in life, was probably yep. a fair coin, yep. Um, and it was a really good discussion, but it was, you didn't really answer the question that we had. Mm. And I thought, well, why don't we kind of go into that? And so there's this kind of um, a theory around kind of coaching that you use. It's kind of like, they call it the six whys, and you kind of say, well, why do you do triathlon? Oh, because I like it. Mm. Yeah, well, why do you like it? Oh, because I do this. And, and the whole idea is you're really trying to ask why six times that doesn't need to be six times but you're trying to get to the root cause of why you really do something mm-hmm. like often what you'll do a weight loss one will do is um why do you want to lose weight oh because you know i just feel to be healthy why do you want to feel healthy well you know um i just don't have much energy in life or why do you feel like that well and you kind of dig deeper and, and well like i did it once with this lady and it turned out the real why was she was embarrassed when she picked the kids up from school mm-hmm you know, that she felt ashamed, she felt embarrassed, so she ended up staying in the car. And so when you can figure out the real why, there's just an understanding, I suppose, or it's just, that can be a good thing for you. So when we think about the six whys, is, you know, if you were to ask yourself why you do triathlon and kind of repeat that, that why factor a few times, and you went really quite deep, which John did that day, um, what would be the real answer? Mm-hmm. So we are going to predict, but it will be a few answer, a few weeks before we get back to this because John's going away. But yeah, have a listen, uh, have Think about it, and then uh, come back to us with what your real reason why you do triathlon. Uh, John, let's, let's, let's put an interview up because we're going to do a sponsor. Sponsor. Jason Sinclair is coming your way from Extreme Endurance. We're going to be explaining and finding a bit more detail about their new sleep product that a lot of you guys will have heard us talk about over the coming weeks. So here comes Jason. Here we go. 
Okay, guys, uh, you've heard us talking over the last few weeks about uh, Extreme Endurance's new sleep product, and we've been, you know, promoting it, and I've had some really good feedback from a few listeners, but really want to find out a bit more about what the product is all about, and so we've got Jason Sinclair on today from Extreme Endurance. He's going to talk us through that, but before we, we get into that, it's always nice to find out a bit of background about um, the people we're talking to, so welcome along to the show, Jason. Hey, thank you, guys. appreciate you having me on. So just, just, just before we pushed record, you were telling us about your story, and I was like, mate, you should tell this to the audience. So just give us an update, a little bit kind of a, a, your background story to what to lead you to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Reader Digest version, again, was a former professional baseball player, uh, played seven years with Tampa Bay's organization, and health, you know, health was not on my side. Uh, after a couple of elbow surgeries, saw the writing on the wall and decided to retire. Um, so after that, I actually went back to school, wanted to be a firefighter, but the economy at that time was just not good uh, here in Arizona, you know, the United States because uh, of the real estate market. So I uh, actually went into corporate America and just found that was not for myself. Um, and so that time I knew baseball and I started to become uh, groomed as an agent by the agency that represented me. So I represent Major League Baseball players still to this day. Um, so back in 2010, I became a certified agent. Um, but in that time, I found a passion for endorsements. I worked for one of the largest golf agencies at that time, and you know Phil Mickelson was a part of it, and learned endorsements through the golf agents and uh, wanted to help influencers outside of baseball and other athletes. And at that time, my father was in, that, in the manufacturing of supplements. Um, and, and the founder of X Endurance, Sandy Kellen, actually brought the product Extreme Endurance uh, to him to make. And I, I don't think at that time he could help him, but he gave it to me to see if I can help him with the athletes. Um, but the curiosity got the best of me when I looked at that bottle. It said, raise aerobic threshold and reduce lactic acid. And I'm like, this guy, there's no way this product works. It's snake oil. <laughs> and I had, I, had a bad, I had a bad experience with uh, supplements when I was younger. And it left me with a kidney infection, so I just I didn't trust uh, supplementation. And 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 the drug certification process back then wasn't the same. But again, the curiosity got the best of me, and I was racing mountain bikes at the time, so I was very in tune with my body. And that extreme endurance, I tested three times before I called Sandy, and I was like, Sandy, how come I've never heard of you? This product, what's in it? Is it drug free certified? Like. I was blown away by the results and became extremely passionate about extreme endurance because I just knew that, you know, the everyday weekend warrior or, or the mom who just wants to get better at her next yoga class, you know, they needed to be on this product. Um, and it just, yeah, I just kept talking about the product. And um, so I've been a part of X Endurance uh, since late 2011. And, uh, you know, we've built a full line of products around the extreme endurance to complement it based on you know research and science so yeah that's a little little background about me and 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 how i got to uh to where i'm at today Look, I've got to say I was in a similar similar boat when I first tried the product, and, mm. and for most people, the proof's in the pudding. Once you actually have tried it, you go, ah, oh, it's not a, it's not just uh, these guys uh, talking up a storm. There's actually some some really good stuff in there. So we, we don't know too much about your new product that's come out. Um, so we're really keen to talk about that, the, the CB Sleep. Um, first thing I've got to ask is what does the, the CB stand for, um, and then maybe just start talking us through uh, the product and what's in it, and and sort of the you know, what people can expect from it. Yeah, so CBD is, uh, you know, cannabinoids. Um, and obviously people know uh, to talk marijuana, right? Mm -hmm. um, so CBD is 
there's two parts to marijuana. So you're going to have uh, CBD and then you're going to have the psychoactive part, which is the THC. So what what companies have done, um, they've extracted the CBD and the CBD is the the non-psychoactive part, which is which is in studies have found to help, you know, with stress and anxiety and also pain relief. Um, I think there's probably like seven or eight different uses for CBD, um, but we use it for the, the the takeaways of the stress and anxiety and also recovery or pain relief. Um, but yeah, really to simplify, it's just the the extraction of um, the CBD part of the marijuana plant. Mm. In, in terms yeah. of the other sort of ingredient, I know you can't. It's like um, KFC with the Colonel's recipe. You're not going to tell us every single thing that's in in sure. the, in the ta- mm. tablets, but maybe run us through. You know what is in there and, and and each component, what it's sort of trying to do to assist with sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll just kind of dive into like how we, this product evolved. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of years, people want us to make like a nighttime recovery protein. And, you know, we saw kind of like a fad coming with this ingredient, CBD. So we wanted to be innovative like we have with our other products. And so after testing many different ways of activations to use CBD, uh, the sublingual route was really the best way to absorb it. So we designed a chewable mint. So this is actually a chewable mint. Um, You take two before you go to sleep. And the reason and why we designed it was when you get to sleep, it's supposed to help you sleep deeper, hence the name CB Deep Sleep, mm-hmm. um, so that you know when you hit those REM cycles, that's the importance of recovery for our bodies and our overall health. Um, so that's how the product kind of evolved. Um, with the ingredients specifically, as you know, you probably heard of melatonin, mm-hmm. and melatonin's um, very popular, especially with athletes. Um, but after our own research and, and, and looking into research there, you know, melatonin can, can make you groggy in the morning. Um, sometimes there's properties that could be addictive that we've heard on some feedback. So we went away from melatonin and we got uh, innovative and got uh, GABA and HTP5 and tryptophan. So tryptophan is something you – it's an amino you find in like turkey. So that's what kind of makes you sleepy. Mm. Uh, the GABA and HTP5, those are – already naturally producing, but they're, they're amino acids that the brain helps release serotonin. And that serotonin is going to help you, you know, fight anxiety, stress, and depression. Um, so that's, uh, that's, and also, and for your sleep. So that's the reason why we chose those ingredients. Um, but the most important was the research dosage amount of putting uh, in, in this product to make sure it worked. Mm. Uh, and, it's, and, and it's worked very, very well so far. Yeah, uh, and based on, like, I know it's kind of a newish product, but based on that, uh, have you done much research yet on on the results? Um, and it, what's the kind of anecdotal kind of uh, feedback you're getting? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, we are actually in the middle of, and I can't give you too many details, but we are starting to work on a a sleep challenge or uh, a, a sleep clinical, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just we're looking to find the the right metric to measure, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the consistent sleep, you know, the application, should it be like an Apple watch or should it be like a whoop or right? So we need to find, um, the right application to, to measure this, um, sleep. But yeah, we're going to be coming out with a, with a challenge. Um, the feedback to answer your question, um, we've had a lot of majority of the feedback is like, I remember my dreams now. So it means they're getting, they're getting, 
and they're crazy dreams. So they're getting into that REM cycle, and that's that's what it means. Mm. So they're they're deep in deep sleeping and remembering their dreams, um, which that shows that that's working. In terms of any ramifications, you know, when you start using hemp oil and things like that um, for uh, drug testing, etc., you know, is there anything people need to be aware with this product, whether that be, I know the rules uh, vary significantly from country to country, but you know, maybe run us through that if there's any um, yeah. implications people need to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, from my knowledge with, with being in sports and involved with some athletes, especially the Olympic athletes, you know, WADA has released that it's not a banned substance, um, but they recommend, you know, it's personal choice because through their, their research, I believe it was 37% of the companies that they researched kind of maybe cut corners and found that there was THC uh, in the product. So it's kind of like use your discretion, you know, you can take a chance if you want. Um, but the, the levels of testing positive for uh, THC is, I think they put it at 150 milligrams. Um, and we on our product, and I just want to talk about our product, we have a COA, and you can see on our website, if you click on, on, the, uh, on the actual product, at the bottom you'll see product details. And there's a COA, and it's a certificate of analysis, and it shows from the source that we got it and the extraction process so until there's an actual test on that uh, specific product, like, it, you know, we, we use Informed Sport and Informed Choice. Um, they don't have a test yet specifically, but this is our way of showing that it only has, you know, 0.3%, uh, below 0.3% THC in it. Um, but so, yeah, it's not a banned substance, but it's at user discretion, um, you know, for whatever, you know, sports or you know, government job they might have, they might want to look into, you know, uh, the no tolerance policies or, or levels if they if they allow it. Fantastic. Mm. That's awesome. That yeah. gives us some good insight into the product. Um, look forward to trying it ourselves. I know a couple of athletes that have been trying it already, um, and they're giving me some really good positive feedback. And I did notice on Facebook this morning another new product coming out from you guys soon. The label was blanked out, so we don't know oh, what yeah. it is. The mystery uh, product. Yep. But we'll look forward to hearing, uh, hearing about that, that pretty that soon. August one. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. So thanks so much for your time, Jason, and uh, thanks for Got letting it. us all know about this uh, the new product. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Age group of the week. Uh, Jumbo, just want to say, um, just uh, right, give me a, give me an age group, Ben. We're going we're going back to Frankfurt from uh, the weekend before last. Give me an age group. I'm going to go 55. Male or female? Female. Female. 50. 50. Was it 55? Did you say? Yep. I'm, I'm a good listener. Yeah, I can tell. Oh goodness! I'm glad you didn't go 50. Oh, was it? Bridget McMahon. Sorry, I'm going to bring this up. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it is Bridget McMahon. Bridget McMahon won the 50 age name group. name we know? 1027. Bridget McMahon won the 2000 Olympics and later tested positive for drugs. Oh, and is it the same Bridget McMahon? She's from Switzerland. Age of probably, what's that, 20 years ago? The age would fit, wouldn't it? She won by half an hour. 
36 minutes. So she's you can't keep punishing people. She's been punished. So you can't keep, pa- keep punishing people for their um, their things. But, it's, <laughs> but I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that's still fine. I still find that a bit annoying. Um, so sorry, Bevan. That was the and who uh, was the one who got hurt? It was um, McKaylee Jones who got second. McKaylee Jones, yeah, and Bridget McMahon took but, the race. And, did, and she was and she was someone who'd done nothing before the Olympics, wasn't she? Pretty it, was, much. it was pretty much out of the blue and didn't do much afterwards. Pretty much. Yep. She didn't test positive at the Olympics. No. So it, was, it was later on. Yeah. Uh, but we're going 55. We're going to be positive. Gil Fullen took out the females 55 to 59. Uh, wowzers. Wowzers. We're going to, this is not a dojo domination. This is the... Uh, we have a name. We, this is, uh, she won by over two hours. She went... Uh, over Gil, two hours? Gil Fullen... From the UK, from Bedford Harriers, uh, she went eleven twenty nine thirty one, and sh- second place was thirteen hours and forty minutes. Eleven, 2011 hours. 11 the rest of them were all about you know closer. They were sort of in the thirteens and fourteens. That is a just a complete crushing. Awesome that, work. That is unbelievable. Yeah, nice work. That's our age group of the week. What's the big, I know you don't have the answer, but I wonder what the biggest ever pro win in a race is. In a, in a proper Ironman, not some random kind of you know mm. small race where you get no one there. Like the biggest ever pro win. Where the, yeah. I'd say there's definitely some half hour victories. I mean. Um, yeah, no, we've definitely seen that. We've definitely seen that. Have we seen an hour? Wouldn't think so. No. Not if it's a pro, pro race. Yeah. Mm. If anyone knows the answer to that, let us know because it's a kind of interesting thing to think about. Okay, so what was her name? It was Gil, uh, Jill, with a G. So it's Jill Fullen from Bedford Harriers. You're Complete a, crushing. Well done. Age group of the week. Absolutely rocked it. John Bo, let's talk about Pro of the Week. Okay, Bevan, let's talk about this. Uh, now, w- what I'm doing with Pro of the Week, I kind of look at the start list for Kona that Torsten's got on tryrating.com and start just sort of scanning through trying to find people like so so this week's pro of the week is Jennifer Spidender Spidender I think it is Remember to the Apple one John and uh, and she won where did she win she won in Louisville last year. So Louisville is one of those races that's always on around the same time as Kona. She, oh, that was the one where they had the crappy little swim. It went 12 minutes in the swim and then went 5.05 on the bike and 3.16 on the run to win in 8.43.22 with the shortened swim, beating out um, Michaela Halbauer and Lisa Roberts. Picked up $8,000 US for her trouble. God, that's not much for it. That's not like not even a thousand bucks per hour. Yeah. Uh, so she took that, but plus with the new system, she also takes her slot to Kona. So what I... I'm going to have to have a pause here so I can get on my links open, Bevan. Okay, I'm pausing. We're back. That was a big long pause. Tell you, mate. (gasps) So one of the first things I do is I um, I always want to find out how long athletes have been around. Sometimes, like that winner of Ironman Austria last weekend... Couldn't find anything on that dude. That's right. Yeah, he was the mystery. Nothing at all. Yeah, he was like he had won something else. He'd won like a seventy point three the year before, but no, no pedigree that I could find before that. Whereas some athletes, um, like in this case with uh, Jennifer, is 
they've got quite a long career, especially with some of these races which are, uh, you know, second-tier fields. She, she raced back in 2004 in the Madeira uh, ITU World Championships, finished in 25th place. Uh, so, and then she raced uh, all the way through sort of the early to mid-2000s, uh, and now she's finally making it as, uh, as a pro. So in terms of she went to the Penticton ITU World Long Distance Champs last uh, in t- 2017, finished in 10th place, um, still doing a bit of short course there back in the sort of 2010 to 2015, so certainly been on the scene for, for quite some time. Um, and now is making it as, a, uh, as an Ironwoman athlete. So one of the things that, there was also an article I found on her by good old Herbert from slowtwitch.com where she's, she had some real issues with, with body shaming um, and, and, oh, really? and real body composition struggles. So she's quite open about those things and uh, good on her for getting to uh, Kona. Yeah, I'm just looking at her Instagram. She's, uh, she's got lots of good shots. Thought you didn't do social media anymore. No, no, I've got it. It was one of the links. I did a Google search on her. <laughs> yeah. So look, there's so many, uh, not so many, there's quite a few athletes that you haven't heard of and I just want to bring their names up, give you a little summary of some of their results. Uh, she also, she went to the 70.3 in Montreal Blanc, had a fourth there uh, last year. She got a bunch of podiums, went to Victoria 70.3, finished third there and uh, got lots of podiums, mainly at 70.3s and has stepped up to do the Ironman. Crushed it on her first race with the, the short and swim and she's winning her spot to Conus. So well, John, she's a professional triathlete, an Ironman champion, a four-time 70.3 champion, a wiener dog lover, and a coffee addict. <laughs> nice. So I just did my research as well. There you go. Very good. Okay, so Jumbo, let's, let's, let's go. I'm not doing music today because I've got lots to do afterwards. Three, two, one. Coaches Corner. Corner. Okay, John, so don't ditch a heart rate monitor. Yeah, and this is sort of following on a little bit from last week. Because you did this week. recently, didn't you? Well, we had, we had a discussion last week around um, sort of power meters on, on different bikes. That's right, yes. What, what I want to stress with that is I, I had a couple of emails and people saying, yeah, I've got, my, I really think my numbers are different uphill. And I think my point last week was to make sure you look at your heart rate data in terms of trying to figure out your outside, uh, not your outside, your power meter zones on different bikes and do a bunch of testing and your heart rate should be fairly consistent. You know, your uphill heart rate should be fairly consistent with your flat heart rate. So you need to play around with these things. Um, and, I, and I guess I'm, why I'm sort of following up this, why you shouldn't ditch your heart rate monitor is I think a lot of people are and it's kind of often, in many cases, it's sabotaging A, your races and B, it's also a fantastic measure for for, for your training. So I've kind of done just a, I've only got four points, I was going to do a high five, I'm not sure why I stopped at four. Um, so why should you not ditch your heart rate? Number one, um, really helpful for comparing your results and building a whole bunch of data points. So this is helpful for both um, on the um, in races and also in time trialing. So to give you a couple of examples, if you're say using a, a 20 minute FTP test as a bit of a measure for your progress um, when you're on the bike, um, Yes, of course, we want to see those numbers consistently going up. That's the whole, not the whole point of doing them, but that's one of the, the one of the reasons for doing time trials is to see if you can improve your overall power. But you also want to track your heart rate, and that will help give you some answers. So, for example, say you go and do a twenty-minute time trial, and you do two hundred watts, and your heart rate is one hundred and fifty. And the next time you go and do it, you're feeling like a bit, bit rubbishy, but you're still able to achieve the same power output. So you do two hundred watts again, but if your heart rate's down at one forty-five 
five, you can say, well, that's actually a gain because I wasn't working as hard as what I was previously, yet I still managed to get the same result. And, and the reason for that, maybe you had a bit more muscular fatigue, there might have been some mental reason why you weren't able to push quite as hard, or if you were doing it outside, maybe the weather conditions um, affected you as well. So really good measure for, um, for, for when you're doing time trials. And then equally, it's incredibly important for when you're doing racing, especially if you're a newer athlete and you're still trying to figure out that formula of how can I run well off the bike mm. and um, if you haven't quite got that the, the usual formula is well one of the starting points is you need to keep slowing your bike down until you're at that point where you can run off the bike and especially over long course stuff there's often that sort of aha uh-huh sort of moment where finally you're able to put in a good run off the bike uh, and it's usually because you've slowed your bike down Often it's also nutrition related, but um, until you slow your bike down and uh, run well off the bike, you're going to struggle. And, and, and heart rate is a fantastic way of making sure you're not uh, biking too hard. And that's especially applicable if you're on quite a hilly course where it's um, a lot more difficult to um, keep a nice even power output. Um, then you can use heart rate as a really good guide. So helps you in time trials, helps you in races to analyse um, afterwards and also while you're on the fly. Number two um, is factoring in the heat and this is probably probably the most important factor I think out of the lot here is hopefully when you get to your race you have got a good idea of um, what your heart rate should be but let's say you went and did Ironman Frankfurt a couple of weeks ago where the temperature was was off the charts now it was it was hot I believe it was really hot on the bike but particularly hot on the run but if you go to a place and you go I'm riding 200 watts for this bloody race and you go and try to ride 200 watts and your heart rate is five to ten beats above where it should be in a a more moderate climate you're going to absolutely nuke yourself um, when you go out there and race uh, on the the run run, so you might think oh I've got to keep 200 watts I've got to keep 200 watts the reality is that's going to cost you a lot on the run so I'm not saying so do you then so what what do you do do you just drop it to your heart rates at the right zone yeah you and you, you you literally got to do that. So, um, and especially if it's hot, you'd if, if you go, I know I can back home in moderate conditions. I can sustain 200 watts. I know my heart rate's telling me that. I've done build-up races, and I know that I should be able to sustain that. But it's going to be bloody 35 degrees. I'm going to actually start at say 185 to 190, and then kind of see where my heart rate settles. And if it's okay then you might crank it up a little bit but I've seen so many cases of people ignoring heart rate not even wearing heart rate monitor uh, just riding to power and it just ends in tears so yes you still use power meter but you use that in conjunction with your heart rate monitor and then respond to what the feedback's giving you absolutely and if you're in a race and and, and so what often happens with people uh, especially if you're training really hard and you're doing your key sessions in a state of fatigue sometimes your heart rate can be a bit but suppressed in, in training and then you go to racing and your heart rate's skyrocketing uh, high, you've got to keep listening to it. And that's why it's so important to try to do some racing fairly regularly. You know, having in your build-up to Ironman, if Ironman's your ultimate goal for the season, really trying hard to have a half Ironman in there and, you know, one or two Olympics and all those um, races will give you good data points so you know um, what heart rate you think is going to be stable. What about the thing? Because I remember when I was doing Ironman and back in the day you didn't have the tools you have now, but... Often on race day, your heart rate is just a little bit higher. Yep, and so you just got to got to chill out a bit. Uh, but but even though, but if you got perceived effort and all the rest of it, like it was like I wasn't training any, or like I wasn't pushing any harder. Well, that, that's when you've got to use your race data, and your your training numbers might be slightly different to your um, racing race? data. Yeah. So you know, once you've got a couple of good races under your belt, you go boom. 
that's uh, that's a heart rate I can sustain. So to give you an example, I've got a guy I'm coaching at the moment who's off to do a race uh, in a a few weeks' time. Hasn't had the greatest build-up, but we know from several races, you ride at heart rate 150, you're okay for the run. And he's just got to accept that this time around, his, okay. his power is going to be 15 watts lower, yep. and uh, and you just got to accept that. You can otherwise, it's just everybody knows. Yeah, you, you can lose so much time on the run. Oh yeah, once you go slow, yeah. Oh, there we go. I've kind of almost done my point three. So it helps when your fitness is not 100, so it gives you confidence in your numbers and a bit of a reality check. So that's exactly what I was just saying. If you're not at your top game you should still be able to sustain the same heart rate. Uh, so this guy in question, um, he, he went and did a race when he was out of shape uh, at the beginning of the season, still did the same heart rate, and his, his power was way down on that one, yeah. but still ran okay relative to his fitness. So, so, so your speed may be slower, but if you're in the same heart rate, you're still managing your race wisely. Yeah. Okay. You, to get all this right, you do have to have some, some good races under your belt. Yeah. Um, the other thing is it gives you a backup uh, in times when your power meter fails. And... I don't coach that many people, but the number of people that have power meter failures on race day is quite high. Not, I wouldn't say it's quite high, but of say I've yeah, I get more instances of Di2 battery failure and power meter failure. Do people than I take spare batteries with them? Uh, well, it's, it's quite often not a battery failure in Di2. No, you can't. It's sort of something you've got to charge up from the wall. Okay, but. Um, what the thing I'd say was, if your power is not working on race day, the best thing to do is turn your bike computer off when you're riding, and then turn it back on rather than just cursing and swearing. Going, have you tried working. turning it on? If not, again, yeah, turn it off, and of course you're going to lose your first part of your data. Um, but it doesn't matter if it's shit data; it doesn't matter. So try turning your bike computer off, turning it back on, and it may well have been your bike computer got confused in transition <laughs> with all the other bikes around. If you're in your key race, who cares if you lose your data? Oh, totally. Because you want to make decisions now. Mm. You know, sure, it's nice to have the post data for future kind of feedback, but who cares? You've got to make good decisions in your race. Mm-hmm. Mm. Totally. Okay. So there we go. Look, keep wearing those heart rate monitors. Okay, John, I'm going to put a pause on because we're about to go do an interview. We'll be back in two seconds, team. We are back, Jonbo. Let's do it. Wanger Wanger of the week. week. Who are you pulling up? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, 45. Michael Jordan's second number. 45. 45. 45 is Jason Lenski. Oh, Jason Lenski. Jason, he slapped my ass as he passed me and challenged Wanaka uh, the year before last, I think it was, when I was uh, detonating on the run and he was coming home strong. Did 15 hours of training, did 3 hours and 29 minutes swimming, 10 hours and 25 minutes biking and 1 hour 25 minute running. Not too much running there, Jason. Pick up your game. Maybe, maybe he's in a cycling block. Maybe he is. Uh, overall wangers of the week, Roman Garcin was uh, the winner with 33 hours and 55 minutes. Uh, our f- oh, second place on the longest activity, Mikhail Stroker from uh, living up in Scotland, 8 hours and 10 minutes and 46 seconds on the bike. Went off and riding around the colder Rosland and all around Annecy and stuff. So good work, everybody, for a solid week of training. Hopefully, not. maybe next week I might be up there, Bevan. Might be up there with Epic Camp coming. Oh, up. you th- you think you might get up top of? I don't think I don't know if I'll. Oh, I, want, I think I'll get close. Mm. We've got some pretty big days scheduled. <clears throat> it just kind of depends how the week falls. We've got a really, really. My biggest week in Epic Camp was I did sixty-seven hours. Yeah. That year when Montgomery and Del Campo and I were all going a bit nut bar. Yeah. I did sixty-seven, and that was a thirteen-day camp because we end up the last day was the I'm I'm in Challenge Wanaka, mm. and I did a swim bike, so that was end up being a thirteen-day camp. So I don't know what I did by the end of it, but I remember at the end of seven days. I was like, oh my god, I've done 67 I think exercise. I, should, I think I should be pretty good because I think we've got our first day of the week, Monday, 
is that going to be our biggest day on the bike? So I think I should crank some reasonable volume next week. Come on, John, you can do it. Come on. Let's Although, see. what about the other people on the camp? They might be on there on, on our group. I'm just going to have to do a bit more, aren't oh, I? Oh, here we go. It's on. It's yeah. on at Donkey Kong. Okay, questions oh, and answers. Times. Ben Colbert has just sent through here a link to an article about people cheating on Strava. Come and on, people, pull up. You what's all that about? So there's, there's various things you can do. Bevan will have a link in our, in our I, show I imagine one is go ride a bike and say you're running. Yes, but there's also, you can go and alter your data as well. I think that was one of the main points of oh, this really? article. You can get in there and, and EPO boost your uh, your performances and what have you. It's like, seriously, get a grip, people. Teddy the Rascal Terry Bessie has sent through an email this morning. So um, just, it's, it's a rant, John. He's, he's not happy. It's a rant. So I did the first half... Half distance, 70.3 triathlon in Geneva, although it was not Ironman branded, locally supported. Don't call it 70.3 if it's not branded, Terry. What do you call it? It's a half Ironman. Okay. And it was great. Fantastic event with almost perfect organisation. I'm sure the listeners would love the race as it's a great swim in Lake Geneva. The bike, uh, fast bike course through the town centre with some sharp uphills and a very challenging and technical run right uh, by the lake with views of the mountains. It does sound pretty special. The issue I have is with the drafting and some people's behaviour. The organisation is partly to blame as the roads were too narrow and there were four loops uh, and there were only, even but there were only 450 participants. In theory, that's one athlete per 50 metres. So it's yeah, pretty lot of people in a short course. Uh, but I'm very disappointed to see some people literally riding groups of 5 to 10, thinking they're in the Tour de France. There was one tri club in particular, all wearing the same shirts, who it was really bad in that. Uh, it seems that they had trained to draft for the event. That would not be good form. No. If you had trained with your groups, go, okay, we're going to draft the front. <laughs> you know, yeah. Furthermore, on the run, uh, some of the faster athletes were literally shouting from behind to let them pass. I don't think it's very nice. That's a tough one, but isn't it? Yeah, you should be. Yeah, if, you, if you're running, you should be keeping to the, the left or the right, whichever country you're in. But I think he's, has, has he been critical of the people who is yelling? Yeah, yelling, yeah. You don't need to be very, yeah, you can, you can say nicely, coming up on your left or your right. You yeah, okay, so I did Queenstown Half Marathon a couple of years ago. And they started the 10K walkers and runners off first. Mm. No, well, by the time we got to them. So with the last two Ks of the race, on a narrow off-road track, mm-hmm. you're suddenly confronted with everyone who's taking up the whole track. Yes. So I was screaming out, keep the lift, because it was like, yeah. it would cost me minutes of, you know, so it was a tough one, that one. Yes. Uh, when I passed someone who was struggling, I tried to encourage them. Now, if they're in the zone, that's fine not to say anything, but to shout at other athletes isn't okay. So obviously I'm a bad person. You are. Yep. Uh, shower and fast athletes, professional amateurs share the same course. That's the beauty of the sport. I really feel some athletes need to chill out and remember why they do this sport. Nobody could qualify at this race or anything. No prize money, nothing. Just a medal and a towel as a present. So why be so rude and cheat? Do you do the same behaviours sometimes in New Zealand? Well, clearly we do. (laughs) If you go to races at Bevan, do get ready to be shouted I was a little bit frustrated. Well, it was like like they were taking up the whole lane. Yeah. What can you do? So I think part of this is... is And it wasn't just like two people. It was like... Mm. Uh, you know like the whole lane you know it wasn't just like if it was a couple of people go, excuse me but it yeah. was like I had to yell so basically I could hear, 100 people could hear me I share your pain on that one yeah. uh, so I would be yelling as well so yes we do that in New Zealand um, but I do agree that we need to, everybody needs to chill out a bit sometimes when they go to races even if it's a qualifying race just just relax uh, and just chill out a little bit but I will say that the only way drafting is going to be solved is through behavioural changes and education um, and good courses good, good courses come on and, courses and, help and, and, and uh, and officiating officiating is not going to solve the drafting problem we're experiencing now it is down to athletes to to be 
educated and understand that drafting is not okay and you've got to make every effort that you can and when you've got a small race like this with 450 participants you should be able to have uh, a fairly clean race um, and it's just the, the, it bugs me that it's the intent of people that just go out there and blatantly draft uh, and I know that in Kona it is that is pretty unavoidable for, for a lot of people but still the intent for some people in Kona is jump on the wheel straight away and that just exacerbates the problem so yes I think you need to call out drafting and uh, and you need to just make sure that everybody's aware if your coach is out there making sure that it's you know you're letting people know that it's not acceptable and try to have a culture in your clubs or your training groups where you know drafting and racing is frowned upon and uh, hopefully that will help solve the problem. Okay, John. Last one. We just want to give a bit of plug to a friend of the show, Dave Dwan. Now, what's his nickname? It's Triple D, isn't it? Uh, Doctor Feelgood. Doctor Feelgood. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, if you're going to Kona and you're not not necessarily around Ironman time, but if you've ever wanted to go to Kona and you're not coming over for my fantastic Kona camp that's going to be on at the end of May next year, maybe you're going over there at sort of Christmas time, and a lot of people go there uh, in the middle of the, the US winter, and you want to find out more about the island and go on a bit of an adventure, check out Dave's website, Big Island Triathlon Adventure. Adventures.com and uh, Dave's a local now so fantastic knows all the little places to go to uh, can organize training camps so really if you want to like a bit of a bespoke camp or uh, just to get the inside of the island go and check out Dave's website and the website is bigislandtriathlonadventures.com and there is a link to it in the show notes okay John uh, you last little Oh, we've got some interviews. We're going to put the last of the Epic, Epic Camp interviews up. We've got uh, Rob the Mighty Flynn, and then we've got Tim Iceman Joseph's coming on. Just a couple of interviews with these. And, and Rob is uh, the man behind uh, World Triathlon Store, so if you need to get oh, yeah. any any gear um, or good for your gear. club stuff, Bevan loves the chamois. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm missing want- the chamois, John, because at the gym, they've, they've said to us we, were, we don't look like we're cyclists anymore when teaching cycling class. <laughs> we just want to look like we're at the gym. Yeah, you know, which I get. You know, things trends change, so we don't really wear cycle shorts anymore. Yeah. And I'm telling you, even though I only do RPM classes and sprint classes, mm. I need my nappies. You need your nappies. Yeah. So you can get, get our uh, I am talk gear at iamtalk.me, and uh, if you have got a club and you or a race or event or anything like that, and you want to get a whole range of gear, go check out the World Triathlon Store and get in touch with them. So a couple of interviews. Both of these guys have done camps before. Rob was with us the the year prior, and Tim was over in wrote the first year we went over there uh, so they again you know, a lot of the athletes we get on the camps are returnees because they have such a good time and we've still got a couple of spaces uh, open for our road camp next year and I've got spaces for the Kona camp so get in touch if you want to get on it John you need to turn your mic towards your mouth a little bit more okay. um, road yes make sure you come along guys it's going to be absolutely fantastic and we have got a few slots so make sure if you are thinking about it get onto it because we want to get confirming things pretty quickly, so come on down and also, also join Kona Camp. John, let's talk about... Oh, wait, so you're going to put the interviews in? Yes, there we go. Yeah, I did that the other week and I didn't give us a pause. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how am I going to do this? But luckily there was a little bit of a moment. So here's pause and here's the interviews. Rob Flynn, not your first camp, so does that mean you're prepared for the conditions of Kona? Uh, I definitely got it a lot better this year and I learned a few lessons from last year and took them with me. Yeah, I think I managed a week a lot better. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was. Um, uh, I tried to share some of those tips with some other people. <laughs> some listened, some didn't, but um, yeah, it helps and uh, I think you're coming back, coming back again. Well, that's not, a, that's not a bad advertisement for it then. 
the first few days seem very tough, don't they? When you, you're doing the, the long ride up to Harvey, you've got that that climb up when the swimming Captain Cook, you've got the ride to Volcano. It seems seems pretty hard. Yeah, well spotted. I mean, that's the lesson <laughs> I that's the lesson I took from the previous year actually, and. Um, uh, I was riding a lot, a, a little bit easier, let's say, uh, this year on those four days, and um, the recovery into the race as well. I took it. Uh, I had less less things to do. I was less busy this year, so I think that that really helped. But a um, uh, yeah, part of the challenge of this camp is the mental toughness of being able to complete those rides. Um, but the benefit of it is you're doing with a whole bunch of other people who are feeling exactly the same and. Um, uh, energy levels come and go, and so does uh, so do people's uh, mental disposition. And um, you know, between everybody, you can get it done. How much of it is is just physical strength, and how much of it is a mental game? Well, that's probably the old adage: is ninety percent physical, and the other ninety percent is <laughs> mental. But um, uh, I think that. Um, yeah, most people can manage their effort well enough, and you know have enough have enough experience in triathlon to be out there and know when they need to dial it back in order to get to the end. Um, and I think you know I was very fortunate. I was riding with uh, Alistair or riding with Dave Doherty, and um, yeah, I did very little riding by myself. So I perhaps had it a little bit easier, if there is such a thing as easier. Um, so yeah, the, the camaraderie I think is very important, uh, but ultimately. Um, the one thing the first few days of this camp teaches you is that mental breakthrough, mm-hmm. and uh, you know once you have it, you just you just rolling rolling with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me where I need to be and what I need to be wearing next. Yeah, <laughs> I know. On on one day you you had quite a um, problem with with pain. How do you manage that? Um, yeah, I've been <laughs> dealing with a few injuries. I yet again came into the camp with an injury. Um, and I think, you know, well, there's a couple of physios on this camp, which is really helpful. And uh, I'd pre-cleared whether I was doing any damage or not doing any damage. Um, but like all of the things, the, uh, the pain tends to move around the body from one place to another as well. And um, I found Coca-Cola very helpful for the pain as well. I mean, it really uh, it transformed me into a new person. So um, that, got, that got me through the end of the Ironman course quite nicely here. Yeah. And we'll be sending this recording to Coca-Cola. They'll send yes. you a case in the yeah. post. Let's talk about the, the, the race itself. How did that go for you? Yeah, so um, I have a medial meniscus injury in my knee. So um, I'd gone from planning not to run to planning to run to planning not to run to planning to run. And then um, Alistair kindly took me out of it the night before the race. So um, I had a very interesting experience, actually. Because I knew I wasn't going to run, I had you know, obviously zero bout of nerves at all. And um, I swam relatively well, you know, compared to the others in the group and where I'd been swimming all week. And, you know, hopped on my bike with a free mind. And um, I was trying to ride a fairly a similar half Ironman effort because I have another race coming in two months. But actually what it taught me is uh, I'm probably stressing too much about these things because, uh, you know, riding with a free mind was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I wasn't going crazy and I didn't have any, um, uh, you know, I wasn't... Uh, having any sort of huge explosions of energy. I was just trying to put a consistent race together and I got off feeling pretty good, Um, like I could have run. I might have thought about it for half a second, but um, I managed to get to the finish line and cheer some people on. Yeah. Was it hard when you you got to the end of the bike, you saw everybody else getting off the bike and setting off on the run? Was it hard to actually discipline yourself not to do it? 
I thought it was going to be, and I actually changed into my running kit because I wanted to, I gave myself an extra five minutes to still think about it. But because that, that little um, swim bike had been pretty successful for me, I thought, gosh, you know, if I can take that into Half Ironman Whistler in two months' time, then uh, I've had a great week. And uh, having already spent, you know, six or seven weeks recovering from an injury, I don't have that time. So um, I was pretty chuffed. But, uh, you know, there was a twinge in me when I saw everyone running to the finish line, and I'm the guy who sat there who didn't actually finish. But uh, they did give me a beer ticket. So uh, um, after some debate, they gave me a beer ticket. So, not a complete no. loss, that. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I mean, that was my goal, get a beer ticket, yeah. So anyway, that's good. Uh, the overall feeling of the camp that I've seen as a support crew is that it has gelled very well as a group of people. Yeah, it's interesting for me because different group from last year and um, I'd say perhaps half of this group was spillover from the road camp and I happen to know one or two of those anyway. Um, but no, exactly the same as last year. I think what, what happens is after a couple of days of training, there are absolutely no airs and graces because everybody is whittled down to their you know, raw ability and who they are. And um, yeah, the sort of the bonding through the challenges and the fatigue and the accomplishments takes care of it i mean you really, really is enough energy to uh, uh pretend to be anything you're not and i think that that spirit is is great and um you know it's n- it's not easy for anybody because even the stronger athletes here are pushing themselves and they, they have a tough day as much as you know someone like me might so um no i think my view is yeah the the the, the, the training uh takes care of any egos pretty pretty quickly yeah great rob thank you very much okay, thank you alan Tim Joseph, what state were you in when you arrived at the camp? Were you were you ready for something like this? Uh, I was in poor shape or form, as they say. Uh, however, I knew uh, coming here that uh, this would be a good set of base work uh, leading into the season. So no expectations, just came in with some minimal fitness and uh, wanted to see what I had. So the Iceman cometh. The Iceman cometh, yes. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> so, uh, the, I mean, some of the, the the early days of the camp, they were pretty tough. Yeah, that's an understatement, especially coming from Michigan winters and uh, having had only one ride outdoors prior to the uh, prior to getting here. But, um, you know, the heat, uh, uh, nowhere in the middle of the U.S. can you prepare for this heat, humidity, and the wind. But... Um, you know, the way the camp was organized and laid out, obviously John's been doing this for a few years and you guys with the crew, um, you know, made it spectacular. The uh, aid stations were at the right time and right place. And, uh, you know, after cramping up on day one, you know, everything else got a pretty, a lot easier, a lot easier as, uh, as the week went along. That first ride up the hill to, to Captain <laughs> Cook, that was pretty tough. Yeah, it's uh, literally my legs did lock up, in which I've, in almost 20 years of doing this, have, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. So uh, got back on track with the, dehyd- or the uh, hydration and some salt, and uh, thank God you were there at that aid station, and uh, everybody helped me out. <laughs> I Certainly, w- you would have gone through a, a whole pile of, of different environments because there are apparently all the environments on Earth are here in Hawaii. Yeah, well, you get you get a taste of everything. I mean, you know, the great thing was, you know, depending on the couple different rides that we did, I mean, it was it was spectacular. The other than we didn't get any snow, um, you know, we got the rain, we got the, the little bit of cold up at the top of the mountains, and um, 
obviously plenty of heat and humidity. So uh, I mean, it, this was great training for, you know, the kick off the season. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about this island and even race day made me realize, is, and it didn't make me realize, but, you know, you, you, your fitness doesn't lie when you come into a place like this. It'll give you an honest assessment of uh, where you're at in your, your physical conditioning. So how did the race itself go? What was your overall impression? I mean, couple impressions. A was, I mean, it was a spectacular, well-run Ironman event. Um, I mean, it's one of the better ones I've been to. Um, the race itself, I mean, it was kind of what we expected based on uh, the training we did, which was nice. You know, we, we got to, you know, try out the swim venue. Um, we knew the bike course from having ridden it already. Um, and the run, we just knew it was going to be hot and hell and um but uh great experience i had no expectations on my performance you know i knew my bike fitness wasn't anywhere near where it needed to be but my running's been you know solid and uh you know i was able to mildly ride the bike and had a extremely great run i was very pleased with my run so overall the the experience was great i mean i just i you can't compare the time here to anything else really because the run's quite tough because it's on that very spongy grass. Well, that, and it's just, I mean, just the little little bumps or climbs. I mean, I, I heard some woman say there was 15 hills on this thing somewhere. So, you know, you, you speed walk it and you have a little strategy and uh, you just, you know, it's, <laughs> it's tough. You know, and you're out there in the blistering heat, you know, and it um, would have been nice to have a golf cart at some point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you didn't get much reprieve from the heat and the humidity. But um, it, it was great. And two loops, you know, made it a little bit more tolerable. You know. So what goes through your mind as you come down the chute and you see that arch of flowers? Thank God I'm not doing a full. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 Can I sit down? <laughs> Tim, thank you. Yep, thanks. John, patrons. We have Scott the Sharkman Gill. We've got Steve, uh, Scott the Bouncer Stephen. And Tynan the Barbarian Narawatsky. I reckon you know that. I don't know. Lovely I guy. Did. I've, actually, I've actually spoken to Terran before. Really nice guy. Okay, John, uh, sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Lactic buffering. You can get that sleep product. What's it called? C- well, I thought it was CB Sleep, and that's why I couldn't figure it out, but it's actually CBD. So that's where I, uh, that's where I was a little bit confused. I know what CBD is, but I couldn't, didn't think. Ah, it's just CB and then deep sleep. Uh, so if you want to get sleeping better, you've heard all about it today, uh, get on it. Good work. Uh, also, our patrons, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.iamtalk.me. On the page, you'll see where you can become a patron. Contribute to the show. Help the boys do what we do. Go into draw to win a trip to Conan to come to the boys next year. And uh, yeah, just rock on. Also, if you want to get some coaching, you can check out coachjohnnewsome.com. I've actually released my latest podcast. I had a great interview of two female leading fitness professionals. Went pretty deep. So if you're kind of interested in fitness as a topic uh, and get some good insights from, from females in this topic, check it out, bevanjamesowls.com. Also, if you want to send us content such as Age Group of the Week, cool websites and other feedback, you can email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, go to imtalk.me. Down the bottom of the page, there's a little place where you can put your information in. And each week when I release a show, I just post that email out to you. John, your goss. What's my goss, Bevan? Got the kids here, mate. Got the kids. So I just asked them if they wanted to come through for a uh, little chat, but neither of them were interested. So no, I could never get tighter that. on either. I was always trying to get tighter on. Yeah, have to save that for another day. Yep. What's my goss, Bevan? Going to France tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Uh, 
flying's not the same as it was in the good old days. So you know, can't you get five meals go, anymore. You had to go that strategy, last man on the plane strategy. Doesn't work anymore. No, not so much. And then you know, you'd go on and try to get the five seats, and the planes are always full these days. So strategy. you still ask for more? because remember back in the day when we were right into the sport. We we would meal strategy. That was when the waistline did oh, expand. Totally. We could we could eat five meals and store yeah. anymore. So I don't think I don't really go that strategy anymore. No, I don't do it. Although mm. it's good when you travel for your wife. Does Belinda eat all her meal? Maybe leaves a little bit. Joe leaves probably half. Oh, yeah. Score. And she doesn't like eat dessert. So yeah. like I always get double yeah. dessert. I like airline food. No, no, I like Air New Zealand airline food. <laughs> Other yeah. airline food can sometimes be left a bit wanting. I so like. Do you, do you like flying? Uh, it doesn't bother me. I, I get a lot of work done when I'm flying. I love I, the process. I, I, I love yeah. the whole flying process. You know, you kind of sit down, you watch a movie, they bring you some food, mm. have a bit of a nap, you might do a little bit of work. When you go to Europe, though, that second flight is a bit of a drag. Yeah. Have you done the, have you done the 16 hours to Auckland? No. We did that. That's a long flight. It's mm. a long time in a plane. Some other guys, they got a new bike uh, to take over to France. Pick it up. I saw the photo on, on Facebook and you're saying you're beating your Strava. Wowzers. My, uh, I've got to admit, you know, I've never really had a great road bike because I've never had to race on it or anything like that. And it's, I generally do most of my training on on TT bike and and love that. Um, but I really need to get an upgrade and go to France. And so got a new bike, and my legs were feeling wait pretty see, shit wait last see, week. See. What's the bike? It's a Cube Agree. Ooh, and, and, I agree and with the Cube. I, I do agree with the Cube Agree because. Um, Went out there on, I was a bit annoyed because I got it on Saturday and I was going riding on Sunday and it was raining and the weather cleared but then the roads were still wet and I thought I'm just going to make a mess of my new bike and I just, but I had to commit to go to it because I right. need to get a few rides on it. Because if you're going to do Epic Camp, you yep. need to get a little bit conditioned to it. And uh, riding along, going, my legs, I've been riding the day before, I was going, my legs are a bit cooked here, I need to taper into the camp, which I was planning on doing anyway. <coughs> And uh, go the first hill, legs are feeling, going, oh, Jesus, it's going to be a miserable ride. But looking down at the power numbers, going, this is look, that's looking okay. Went out there and just uh, caned a couple of hills, went really hard, still felt like rubbish. New PBs. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so I was most impressed with it. Most impressed with the cube agree. I agree with the cube agree. Wow, you should, you should be a marketing genius. You should be. I should be. So that, that was happy times. Um, How long are you away for? I'm away for just about two and a half weeks. You have a couple of days off at the end. No, you're straight back on the plane. I've got one one night spare, so it's going to be good times. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be a very very challenging camp. We talk. I'll talk a bit more about it next week, uh, and hopefully going to do plenty of interviews. I always say that, but this time I'm highly motivated because I haven't been as organised as I would like for the next couple of weeks. So we kind of need some content. So I really want to try to get uh, some pre and post interviews with some of the athletes, especially the newer ones. Yep. Um, we've got a smaller camp this time round, uh, so I'm hoping we can do that, and then you can kind of get. A lot of people are shitting themselves about the camp. There's some crazy days we're going to have, uh, and you need to be worried going into it. And I want to see if, if that worry uh, amounts to reality. Mm, good times. So it's going to be good times. Looking forward to it. Uh, lots of sport on at the moment, which is a bit of a struggle to keep up with. Uh, it's been good sport too, isn't it? Yeah. Because the, the Wimbledon final was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was watching that when I was watching the cricket. I was kind of flicking in between. That was mm-hmm. amazing. And then the cricket. And then George Bennett had a bad night. Oh, I haven't seen that stage yet, but I did see the headline, but I haven't seen the stage, okay. but never mind. Mm. No, not never mind. I mean, it sucks, but uh, hopefully it still kicks ass. Bevan, what's happening for you? Went to Auckland for the weekend. Nice. We should do this cool thing. We did a, it was a training and development weekend, and we did this thing around listening 
Um, and it was really powerful. So maybe I'll, I might even do a show on it. Go for it. Do, do something on the show about this, which is kind of not triathlon what related. What did you say? Sorry. On listening. <laughs> 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 thanks a lot yeah, yeah. thanks a lot um, because it's you know all relationships are about communication aren't they and so the better communication you can have and uh, it was it was so basically it was around this whole idea of self-guided learning so this whole idea of your job as a, as a kind of a coach is to help people find their own answers mm-hmm. um, and often what people who do our coaches are is we just provide the solutions mm-hmm. uh, and it's because people come to us for advice mm-hmm. so many times you know, we can just give the advice. But we all know that, that the most powerful change tends to happen when we have our own epiphanies. And so it was all around this kind of concept of, all. Well, then how do you communicate in a way, even though you won't like the answer, and it's kind of obvious with your experience and your knowledge, how do you communicate in a way that it's allows someone to actually find that epiphany moment? And then how do you guide them through a kind of an action plan and that moving forward? And it was, it was just really powerful stuff. So um, I might do a segment on it because it's something that um, – Communi- again, a again, communication is pretty important in all areas of life. But if you can, you know, if you can influence people towards that higher self, as a, as an athlete, mm-hmm. as a partner, as a parent, um, there's just some really good skills to do. Around that. So maybe I'll do that. We're going to come back. Uh, and and it was a, it was a tough weekend for sport, John, because I also watched the Warriors. They got a draw oh. in overtime. I was listening to that on the. I listened to that three times on the radio. Apologies for New Zealand sports uh, segment here, but I was driving on Saturday when that was on. They were getting pumped at the beginning, yeah. And and then I got out of the car and I had to go do something for about half an hour. Came back in and they were way on top. I thought, sweet, they're in. Then I just couldn't do something, got back in the car about half an hour later, and it was all tied up. And I was like, what the hell? And then we went into overtime. We got tied up, and it was oh, a draw. Yeah, it was over- oh God, yes. Yeah, well, I am loving right. sport right now, but. Sorry? I do, I'm loving sport right sports now. It's great. Yeah, it is. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.